the freedom and forgiveness we received from sin through Jesus Christ should compel us to follow in the Lord's footsteps. We were lost in our sins. We had no hope. We could have been living and breathing physically, but without forgiveness of sins, there is no heaven. There is no eternal hope. There is no eternal life. When Jesus Christ forgave my sins, when I gave my life over to him, my life changed. Hello and welcome to another message from the Latter Rain Ministries, where we're dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and his truth with the world. Today we'll be talking about a fruitful growth that is based on a living faith. When our faith is well-founded on the Lord, we will go through a process of spiritual growth and development where the Holy Spirit will guide us through the transformation that can only happen by following Jesus Christ. God accepts us just as we are, but with the goal to help us to be transformed into the likeness of His Son Jesus. That's the importance of repentance, so the old can go away to make way for the new and eternal you. Today's message is inspired on 2 Peter chapter 1. Let us go to the Lord in prayer together. Heavenly Father, Holy God, blessing and honor be to you, O Lord, for you are worthy to be praised, worthy to be exalted, O Lord, for there is no one like you. Hallowed and glorified be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is done in heaven. Blessed are you, O Lord. Heavenly Father, I pray in the name of Jesus for your forgiveness, for your grace. I pray, Heavenly Father, for your continued mercy, O Lord, in my life. Heavenly Father, please forgive me for all the sins that I continue doing, O Lord. I trust in your goodness, in your mercy, and in your love. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for your guidance, for your power. I pray, Heavenly Father, for everyone that is listening. I pray, Lord God, that you may work in each and every one of our hearts and our minds, O Lord. Help us, O Lord, to understand that believing in you is just the beginning and that we need to continue always moving forward. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We'll be reading today from 2 Peter chapter 1. This is the word of the Lord. Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted, even to blindness, and has forgotten that he has cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. For this reason, I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things, though you know and are established in the present truth. Yes, 
I think it is right, as long as I am in this tent, to stir you up by reminding you, knowing that shortly I must put off my tent, just as our Lord Jesus Christ showed me. Moreover, I will be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things after my decease. For we did not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when such a voice came to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And we heard this voice, which came from heaven, when we were with him on the holy mountain. And so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. If a person has come to know the Lord, to have that new birth in Christ, they're called to grow and develop in the Lord. A person cannot stay where they're at. It is true that God accepts us as we are, that we don't have to be perfect to come to Him. But as the beginning of this relationship with the Lord, we must repent and convert from all of our sins. And we are called to be transformed, to be changed, to be made in the likeness of Jesus Christ. And as such, we cannot dwell in our sins. We need to leave our past life in the past. And we must continue changing and being made into this new being that God intends to make out of us all, leaving the old behind and regenerating through the work of the Holy Spirit. This is why it is impossible to become what we need to become for the Lord if a person continues to just be focused on their own selfish needs and desires. And this is the problem with many people. They think that because they have made a decision for the Lord, that it's all done and that nothing else is necessary and that could not be farther from the truth. And this clearly is not what the Bible teaches, just as we read today. Our faith in the Lord must help us to continue developing in Him. And that faith is what should bring about these other steps that we read about, like going from faith to virtue. What is virtue? All of those positive things you were born with to put them to God's disposition. We all have natural gifts and talents that came with us, if you will. Those need to be put at the service of the Lord. And to that, we are encouraged to even pursue then knowledge. What kind of knowledge is he talking about? We are supposed to read and study the word of God. That's the way that our faith continues to grow. As it is written, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. God's complete counsel to man is in the scriptures, in the Holy Bible. That's the way we attain the knowledge we need so that we know what to do in every aspect of our lives. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, it says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So you see, the study and the application of God's word will make us complete and thoroughly equipped for every good work, for every task the Lord wants us to accomplish. That's why we need to study it, to see what God wants us to take in and apply in our lives. The word of God must be lived. It must become a living part of us. And here comes the next step. After knowledge comes self-control. This is something that the world teaches against. Society tells us to just go ahead and do whatever makes us happy. 
But in the Lord, we are taught to not let loose our sinful and carnal desires. Actually, quite the contrary. We are taught to stop doing those things that only perpetuate death, because that is what sin does, for the wages of sin is death. There is no life in sin, no matter how happy people think that sin will make them. This is where self-control comes in through the work and power of the Holy Spirit. We can't do this alone. We need his help, but of course, we need to be willing to do so. God is never going to force anyone. Everything in the Lord is voluntary, and together with the self-control is the application of God's word in our lives. We are to submit our members, our bodies, to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. This is what the word tells us literally to do. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lusts. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. This is what self-control is about. And to self-control, we need to add perseverance. The Christian walk is not like the movies where the hero shows his dedication or perseverance over the course of two hours. I know that we live in a society that wants everything instantaneously, but that is not the way things of value work. It takes years upon years of hard work and dedication to achieve certain things. And of course, the Christian walk is a lifetime process. We are to follow the Lord all the days of our lives from the moment we surrender ourselves to him. You don't retire at age 65. I'm not going to lie to you and feed you a cheap grace where many people will tell you that everything will be fine and that the Christian walk is all about feeling good and health and prosperity and triumph and victories. Following Jesus Christ bears a cost. It is not easy. And there will be times when following Christ from a human perspective will be difficult. But if you want to have eternal life and eternal reward, it is imperative to abide in his faith, to overcome this world through time. For it is written, he who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. The word of God also says in Hebrews, therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And so we must endure, we must persevere, we must always push forward day in and day out, no matter what the cost. And if we stumble and fall, we must get up through the power of the Holy Spirit and continue moving forward, pressing on to the prize, like Paul said, so we can attain what God has for us, so the hope that we have in Christ can become an eternal reality. Jesus also said this about persevering, about abiding in him, which is found in the Gospel of John. He said, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. 
For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. Perseverance or abiding in the Lord is an essential for the Christian. And to perseverance, we must add godliness. The Bible teaches that we are to take on the characteristics of God, that we are to become godlike. The Holy Spirit will mold us and change us so that we become more Christ-like. And of course, if we let him. And that is what godliness is about. We are to bear fruit. And the fruit of the Spirit exemplifies godly characteristics. Galatians chapter 5 says this about the fruit of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. But those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. And to that godliness, we must add brotherly kindness. This goes hand in hand with becoming more godly or godlike. Jesus said this, which is written in the Gospel of Matthew. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and he sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so? Therefore, you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect." And so we are to show kindness to all people, not just to the ones that like us, but also to the ones that don't like us. That is a challenge within itself, but that is what God did for us. When we were dead in our sins, away from him, we were his enemies. We're not born children of God. We need to make a choice for the Lord through faith so that we can become children of God by repenting and turning away from all of our sins and by giving our lives over to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Then and only then is when we become his children, God's children. For it is written, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. And so as children of God, by deciding to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, we are to choose to show this brotherly kindness to others. And to this brotherly kindness, we need to add the ultimate characteristic, and that is love. Here is where we become much closer to being godlike. The love that the Bible talks about is completely different to what the world thinks love is. The love the world talks about and believes is not love. It's other things. There is more lust and selfish interest and distortion than real and genuine love. The Bible explains love in the following manner. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. In true godly love, there is no sin. Love will never justify sin. Let me repeat this again. Love will never justify sin. And ultimately, the scriptures teach us that God is love. 
So love within itself is a person and not a thing or a feeling. We can only achieve this love that the Bible talks about through the person of God himself, through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in our lives. That is how we attain true love in our lives. So you see, there are many things that need to happen in our lives. There is a process that needs to take place for our own good and for the good of others. The good news is that the Holy Spirit will guide us and strengthen us, but we must want to do these things. There's always the aspect of free will in our lives because our relationship is based on love. Love involves decision. It involves choice. There is no forcing someone when love is involved. And now, what should compel us to love God and to do all of these things as the evidence that we love God? We read that Peter was completely committed to this and that he wanted for this to happen to all that would follow after his death. Why? His faith persuaded him to be so committed. He saw the Lord. He saw his work, his life, day in and day out. He believed that Jesus Christ was the true and only begotten Son of God. He was convinced of the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. He understood that Jesus took his place on the cross, that he had paid for his sin, and that even though Jesus died, he was raised from the dead, and that the Lord is sitting at the right hand of God, the Father's throne. Let us remember what he said again in verses 16 to 19. For we did not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when such a voice came to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And we heard this voice which came from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. And so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Faith took Peter to live and to die for the Lord. He believed that the truth he had followed through Jesus Christ was in fact worth living and even dying for. Tradition tells us that Peter did die for his faith in the Lord. He was crucified for his faith. That was how much Peter was dedicated to the Lord. He lived and died for him. This same faith is what you and I can also have. We may not have seen Jesus personally like Peter did, but it is well within our grasp to believe and accept who he is and what he has done for us all. We believe so many other things that are of lesser value that we even know less of, the things we cannot even understand. And we entrust our very lives and the lives of our loved ones to those things that we don't understand so well. How can we not believe then in God that made all things and in the Lord that died and was resurrected so that you and I could be saved? We need to think about what he has done for us personally. In verse 9 it said, For he who lacks these things is short-sighted, even to blindness, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. The freedom and forgiveness we received from sin through Jesus Christ should compel us to follow in the Lord's footsteps. We were lost in our sins. We had no hope. We could have been living and breathing physically, but without forgiveness of sins, there is no heaven. There is no eternal hope. There is no eternal life. When Jesus Christ forgave my sins, when I gave my life over to him, my life changed. Even though I was very young, I felt a void in my life, in my heart. There was an emptiness within me that was hard to describe. 
And that void was filled by the Lord. And I could sense a great difference where the void was gone, where I felt and still feel God's reassurance that he is with me and all because he has done away with my sins. The burden of sin was lifted. And because of that, I do have an eternal hope. And even though I still make mistakes and still sin, when I come to the Lord for forgiveness, he still renews me and strengthens me. And my faith grows even stronger because of his love and mercy and grace. The forgiveness of sin should really mean everything to us because it is a grace, a gift, an unmerited favor we receive from the Lord that changes everything into true life. Our love for the Lord and all of the promises he has given us through his word should compel us to do what we need to do, ultimately what we were made to do. God created us for good works. He gives us the opportunity for a new beginning, for another chance to fulfill his will, but not through our own strength. We can fulfill this fruitful growth we need to have through a living faith and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. We are no longer alone when we surrender our lives to the Lord. We have all of the power and all of the instruction we need to grow and become what we need to become for our own good, for the good of others, but most of all, for the glory of God that deserves all praise and worship forever and ever. Faith in the Lord needs to yield fruit. There must be a product. That product is the transforming power we can only find through the Lord Jesus Christ. When sin reigns in our lives, we think selfishly. We govern ourselves through the inclinations and desires of the flesh and sin. And that is what leads people to eternal death and to this incomplete feeling and void that sin produces. Sin doesn't help anyone, no matter how enjoyable or entertaining it may seem at the moment. There will come a time in a person where they turn insatiable. Vices don't fill the void. Sexual encounters and deviances don't change the emptiness within. Money, fame, fortune, power, notoriety, vanity, they can never complete a person. And the more people succumb to these things, the worse the emptiness and loneliness becomes. Otherwise, why do people who have achieved all these things so many long for wind up taking their lives? Why do people overdose on drugs? They're very famous and rich people that have killed themselves because nothing brings back to life the dead soul that is within them. Jesus Christ is the only one that can change our lives. He is the only one that can fill our void. He is the only one that we can find our true purpose in life through. The creation can never be complete without its creator. God made us. God allows for you and me to live at this very moment. We owe him everything. When we make things right with God and surrender our lives to the Lord, that is the time that life does change completely and our journey begins. Through Jesus Christ, we can have a beginning with no end. We can start our eternity with him here on earth. We can start over in him to live a life of purpose with a peace that surpasses all understanding. His peace can be almost incomprehensible because we can find peace through him even in the most challenging moments of our lives. We see in those that follow the Lord faithfully through their time here that they had no fear of death. It was almost as if they looked forward to it because it meant the passing from this world into the eternal hope they so longed for. This is what Paul wrote to Timothy in his second letter to him, the very last writing we have of the apostle, where he said, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering. 
and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. There is no fear expressed. He actually encourages Timothy and all of us to pursue the Lord, and that there are great things waiting for all who love the Lord's future appearing. The Lord is coming back for those that love him and endure in his faith, and he will take us with him forever. And so my most excellent advice to you is, if you have not yet made a decision for Christ by repenting and turning away from all of your sins and accepting Jesus as the Lord of your life, I urge you to do that today. You don't need anything else except praying to God with all of your heart and confessing with your mouth this same thing, that you are asking for His forgiveness for all sins and that you are turning away from them to follow Him and that you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus died for you on the cross and that the Father raised Him from the dead at the third day and that you want to give Him your life, that you want for Jesus to be the Lord of your life. If you do a very simple prayer like that, the miracle will happen. Everything will change as you endeavor to follow the Lord from this moment on and forever. I urge you to make that decision today, right now. Don't let this moment pass you by. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Holy God, Lord, I give you thanks for your love, for your mercy, for your grace. Heavenly Father, I pray for each person listening. I pray for those people that have not yet come to know you personally, that have not yet given their lives over to you. Or Heavenly Father, they may be living a life of religion and habit and tradition, but that they don't know yet what it is to truly have you in their lives. I pray, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, that for those that are listening to my voice right now, that they might be able to understand and to come to have that relationship in you through Jesus Christ. And I pray for those of us, O oh Lord, that have followed you, that are continuing to follow you. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you help us to always push forward. Heavenly Father, I pray, O oh Lord, that you help us to grow, to continue to become stronger in you, to do that which pleases you, O oh Lord knowing that if we abide in you, if we continue running this race in you, Lord God, that we will make it, that we will attain what you have for us, your wonderful promises and grace. I give you thanks and I praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Please join us again next time as we look into God's Word together. And if you have any questions or just need some prayer, please email us through our website. If you want to listen to other messages, you can go to our website or look for our podcast in the Apple iTunes store under The Latter Rain Ministries to subscribe. The Latter Rain Ministries is a self-supporting Christian ministry dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. The Lord is near. May God bless you.